Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the United District Podcast. I'm delighted to say I'm joined by a legend of the goalkeeping world and the world of goalkeeping coaching and a pioneer as some may describe him. He's worked at an array of big clubs from Bayern Munich to Manchester United to Ajax amongst other clubs and national sides. Franz Hook, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, guys, and thank you for having me. No, thanks for coming on. It's, yes. uh, you know, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on. It's going to be, I think, it's going to be so interesting to to hear what you've got to say about some of the things, we've, some of the topics we've got to talk about here today. Um, obviously, it's a very interesting time for football and you know life in general with this uh, you know coronavirus pandemic and this lockdown. How how have you personally been coping with it all? Yeah, well, well, uh, it, it is of course a very strange but also interesting time. Mm something that nobody could have been predicting before. Um, well, you know, the, the whole life basically is adapting to situations and I'm I'm very used to that uh, if, if I go through my life. So mm. also this one, it's something that you don't want. It's something that you don't look for. It's something that you don't wish. But if it's there, you have to adapt. And, uh, and it always gives like new and other opportunities and uh, the moment you do that, the number one is, of course, be healthy, stay healthy, eh? myself, but of course, everybody around you as well. Mm-hmm. And from that point, eh, you can you can do again many things that you didn't do before. So till now, uh, not what you want, but it's the way it is. And I haven't been bored for one second, actually. Mm, well, that's, that's good to hear, at least. At least you keep me busy. Um, yeah. Uh, we'll start off by talking about someone you've worked with for a massive portion of your career, uh, Louis van Gaal. Obviously, you worked with him at uh, Barcelona, you worked with him at Ajax, I believe, as well, and Bayern Munich, and then here at United. What's it like to work for Louis van Gaal? What do you think are his sort of specialities as a manager? Yeah, well, uh, let I say that I've been very fortunate uh, throughout, you know, my whole like coaching career. Mm. That um, that first of all, I I was I was lucky enough to work with you know the two big names or three big names that Holland has, starting with Michels, mm. who really introduced the the Dutch way of playing, you know, at Ajax and in in the World Cup '74, uh, uh, with Johan Cruyff, who actually signed me for Ajax as more or less the first specialist, definitely in Holland, but probably also. Uh, far uh, outside of Holland, and then, of course, with Louis. So having mentioned these three names, we talk about, in my opinion, the absolute top level of Holland, mm. basically also top level of outside of Holland. And um, everything was initiated initiated by, by Michels uh, and Cruyff and, and them together, and, of course, Louis followed that up. And and the interesting thing is they all played actually for Ajax and everything started also at Ajax and from there, you know, throughout the world. So coming back to your question, working with Louis, yes, I worked with Louis in the youth of Ajax when he came as a youth coach. Mm. Then we worked at the first team level, uh, went with him to Barcelona. After three years, he resigned. I stayed on. And then I worked again with Louis 10 years later, uh, actually in Bayern München, uh, then the Dutch national team and then to Man United. Well, what you see with Louis is that, you know, he is, he is in my opinion, uh, a fantastic coach. Um, I work with many coaches and every coach has their own strong and weak points. Um, and you learn, of course, also from every coach. But working with Louis is uh, high demands. Uh, of himself, but also of the people around him, which I like because mm-hmm. I think you have to give everything that you have to reach a certain level. Um, it's somebody that is very professional and it's somebody that doesn't leave a lot up in the air. So try to make everything as concrete as you can. That is what I like as well. His background is teacher physical education. That's my background as well, teacher physical education. And that means that you have like the best of two worlds, having been playing and on the other side, having been, you know, studying, coaching and experience. So I can only say uh, working with Louis has always been uh, a big big pleasure because of the fact that it was all about the game. It was all about improving the game and, and, and improving the players that you had in the squad. So I only have, you know, very good memories on that. And it doesn't mean you always agree. Not at all. 
but you can discuss, you can give your point of, of view and what you think and why. And of course, if you are not the head coach, then it's up to the head coach what he is doing with it. Mm. And and if I don't agree as an assistant, I have to become the head coach because that's the role that you're in. I had no problems with that because, um, you know, I think we agreed on, on like 95% on everything what we did, which is a very high percentage, and which is very nice uh, to know that, you know, uh, he listened and, and of course he takes the decisions and you have to deal with that. But very positive uh, to work together all these years. Mm. And his accolade, I mean, his accolades there to see, obviously, you know, a, a huge amount of achievements in the game. And that that's what brings me on to my next point. Obviously, he came to Manchester United in 2014 off the back of, you know, quite an underwhelming spell with David Moyes. And he actually obviously delivered a bit of silverware at the end of his time and, you know, gave time to Marcus Rashford and obviously brought in Anthony Martial. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of good things we remember about Louis van Gaal, but... Do you think he was given a fair enough crack at the whip at United? Do you, do you think he got the time he deserved? Or do you think, you know, you know, perhaps going and getting Jose at the time was, you know, the wrong thing to do? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's always very difficult to go uh, into the mind of the people that are uh, decisive within the club. I can only say something about my point of view. And um, uh, if you are a club, and it doesn't matter what club you are, if it's Bayern or Ajax or Barcelona or United, then first of all, you you, you need always to know what type of, of coach you need and then what type of coach you bring in. And um, uh, knowing that, you also know that, you know, some coaches, they need a little bit more time to implement the way of thinking, the philosophy and stuff like that. Mm. And that's what I like at this moment, even when the results were up and down, you know, they don't fire the coach, they give the coach the chance to work on eh, on what he is he is working on. Mm. And, and I think what you saw was that, you know, the question is, did uh, Moyes, did he get time enough? The same with Louis, the same actually with Jose Mourinho. So, and I know, and we all know, of course, that when you are at United, it's it's the biggest club in the world. And I've been experiencing that, especially outside of uh, of United. When I was visiting Hong Kong for United, it's amazing how big this club is. Mm. Uh, so that also that also means after you know the Ferguson time, which was extremely uh, successful, the expectation level of everybody involved in the club is incredibly high. That also means if you cannot get the results immediately, people get always a little bit nervous. And that's also understandable. On the other side, if you start with, you know, a whole new area in your in your career or in your uh, life as a club, then, you know, I think it's it's a very strong point. If you work with somebody, you know how somebody works, then, you know, give them, you know, enough time to do it right or to do it wrong. And, and what I think is that uh, we were really building on eh, something within United. And um, it would have been lovely if we did get more time, mm. whether it's like a year or two years, because then you really could see the result of everything what happened before. So, um, again, I do understand always from the point of view of the club and I do understand the pressure and what you really need at the top level club and you want as quick as you can, you know, all the results mm. and be successful. But, you know, definitely in the Premier League, when you have so many outstanding clubs, uh, uh, outstanding players, outstanding coaches, it's not that easy. So that means, yeah, I think that giving time is always important, but I do understand it's not always easy to give that time. Because, again, expectation level is, is of course, incredibly high. Mm, you say there that you sort of, you understand, you know, the decision. But do you think, you know, Louis van Gaal himself has been quite critical of the manner that this dismissal of, of himself and coaching staff like yourself actually went, went on? Were you disappointed in the way that United handled it? In that, you know, was there a feeling that they'd gone behind the back of, of van Gaal and yourself in, in going and getting Jose Mourinho? Yeah, well, well. Uh, first of all, it's not that I make that uh, right or wrong, but we know the football world, mm. and yeah, we know yeah. that in the football world are um, are um, uh, are happening things that basically 
should not be happening. But it happens. It happens all over. It happens in the whole world. It happens with all the big clubs. If you if you ask me about uh, the way of doing it, of course, everybody will understand. And, and listen, Louis was the guy who was always in touch, of course, with the board. So he had a certain feeling with that. He was... He was responsible for that. Mm. Uh, Louis is always very honest and very straight. So I do understand that, um, you know, the way how it was happening uh, was not the best way. Um, Basically, uh, we did hear, you know, some some things already at halftime at the Crystal Palace uh, FA Cup final. Mm. Um, So, yeah, that's basically not uh, the right way of doing it. But again, listen, um, it's the way how things go. And it's the way how the football world is at this moment, which is not the best way, in my opinion. But you always have to be realistic and and life goes on. And again, the club is not our club. We are there, you know, more or less guests uh, to help them as good as we can, you know, uh, to bring them back at the level where they want to be. And, and and things are happening. Uh, could it could it have been in a different way? Well, probably it could. Was it nice for us uh, to leave like that? No, of course it's not nice. Uh, that's clear because mm-hmm. I also always have the feeling if you go to a club, you are completely committed. You know, uh, not 100%, but even more than that. Yeah. You give everything what you have. And that's also the way of working of Louis, eh, demanding a lot from himself and demanding a lot from the people around him, which is, in my opinion, not more than normal. So, you know, it would have been nice if, if, you, if, you, if you can deal with that uh, from both ways. But, listen, I have no hard feelings to the club, whatever. Uh, could it have been uh, done differently? Yes. But, you know, I've been working, of course, with all the people in all layers of that club. And... Um, uh, it was lovely to work with that people and it was lovely to see the love they have, you know, from for, for, for United mm. and everything they want to do, you know, from the kid managers till the medical staff to the people in the canteen till the cook, everybody that was like it was an incredibly nice uh, environment to work in. Definitely. Yeah, well, that's, that's good to hear at least. Um, we'll move on to, you know, another another man that you worked with uh, in your time at Barcelona, a young Jose Mourinho who'd obviously been brought in by Bobby yep. Robson as a translator and then obviously blossomed into a coach and was given a lot more, uh, you know, leeway with Van Gaal. Van Gaal gave him a lot, of, obviously, time. At that point, did you, you obviously worked alongside a, a young Jose Mourinho. Did you see the signs from early? Was there an expectation that this that this young man could become, you know, another fantastically successful manager? Well, this is this is a good and interesting question. First of all, Jose was my neighbor in Sitges when we worked in Barcelona. Oh, right. <laughs> so that, that's interesting, actually. Yeah. And um, uh, I, I, what I, what happened is I was always sitting on the bench and I was in touch by by phone by some of the coaches who were at the stands. And one of those coaches was Jose. Mm. And basically the task that, you know, the coaches on the stands had, look at the game as if you are the responsible coach, okay? Mm-hmm. You know the game plan, you know how we prepared it, you know what we expect from the opponent. So, you know, give us information, uh, your view on what's happening on that pitch, and, and then it's up to the head coach what to do with it. So I was in touch with Jose, and, and what I found out already, it is, of course, it was already, you know, a, 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 a special character. His mm. relationships, his relationship, ex- especially with the players, was excellent, which is a lot easier when you are an assistant than when you are the head coach. Eh? Let let I be clear in that mm. as well. Mm. There has to be a certain distance. There has to be a certain way of how you deal as a head coach with players than assistant coach. That's completely different. But what I what I found out then was that wow, the way he looked at the game and analyzed the game was was from a very high unique level that was what i saw i saw that he could deal with players he could deal with press but of course you never ever know how somebody will um, will develop themselves mm. uh, i i remember very good that um, louis resigned and basically um, a new coach came in uh, louis lorenzo ferrer uh, ferrer 
and that, you know Jose was searching a little bit for his position then and he said to me well what are you going to do do you like this yes or no and I said hey Louis resigned uh, basically my contract ended as well and I spoke to Louis and I said Louis I cannot take a sabbatical year for me it's not possible he said okay Barcelona really wants to continue with you so you know sign for a year and then I will go somewhere whatever and you can decide what to do so mm. I made that decision you know and I was always very open I wanted to learn so I was also curious to you know a Spanish coach and then you know, Jose already said, well, you know, I think what I'm going to do is, you know, I will I will go back to Portugal and, and you know, start my own career there. And he did that, actually. Yeah. Uh, he was very strong in, okay, for me, it's now over in Barcelona. You know, it, it was fantastic with Bobby Robson. Uh, in the beginning, it was, of course, a little bit difficult with Louis, but they had a good understanding together. Jose was a very smart, intelligent young coach. He knew that, you know, Louis really could help him to become a better coach already. Mm. For him, that was the time to leave. That he would be so successful, I you know, you can never predict that because I think that he is probably one of the most successful coaches in the world. So what he did was uh, he found his way and started with Porto and then, you know, the travel to the rest of Europe. Uh, no, I could not predict that, but yeah. I did see he had special qualities. Hey, he says the special one. Well, he had special qualities uh, that others don't have. But I've, I've worked with many assistant coaches that I thought as an assistant coach, they really were like unbelievable. Mm. Step to be a head coach, it's a different step. And you need yeah. different qualities yeah. there. So, no, I, I, I couldn't imagine that. I, I haven't been thinking about it. But, of course, I followed it. And I think it's amazing what Jose did in the rest of his career. Really amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's similar to the Van Hal thing. I mean, his, his accolades really do, you know, speak for himself. You know, an incredible amount of achievements. Another man who's obviously... To, you know, a massive level of, of success was Pep, Pep Guardiola, a man who actually played under Louis van Gaal and yourself in those late yeah. 90s at, at Barcelona. So, that you know, it, do you think Pep Guardiola took a lot out of, you know, his playing time under van Gaal? Do you think he probably used those, you know, those skills into his own managerial career? Yeah, what, what I think about Pep is that uh, when I came, uh, Pep was always asking about, you know, uh, Ajax 95. He wanted to know everything mm. that was possible. So that was for me interesting because from the moment that I came there, I saw a coach in Pep. Yeah. You know, he was he was like so much engaged in how to coach, how did you guys do that, how this, how that, that for me, he was already, you know, a coach. Mm. And uh, you could also see he had, he was a, a strong personality. I also think he was a very pleasant personality because for us coming in Spain, it was a complete different way of how players dealt with the coach than how it was in, in what we were used to in Holland. Mm. And uh, what I saw there from Pep was that, wow, strong personality, captain, uh, keeping everybody together making them enthusiastic, stimulate them and all that kind of stuff. And of course, we know that Pep has been dealing with Johan. And of course, Johan is, <laughs> Johan Cruyff is also an incredible, was an incredible football personality. And I was also lucky to, you know, to work with him for, for two and a half years, all the time he was at Ajax. And what I could feel was that, uh, that Pep was like uh, a, a big fan of Johan. Mm. And and you could see that, Yo and, and there's also something out there that says that when Pep met Johan, he knew nothing about football. And, and then Pep was already like in his 20s. So, of course, he knew something about football. But he didn't know what Johan knew of football. And, and I work with N. Johan and I work with Louis. So, the interesting thing is they think the same about football. Exactly the same. Only the way how to reach that aim by Johan, it's more, you know, in an intuitual way. And with Louis, it's more a concrete way. And that's, of course, the background that Louis also has as a, as, a, as a teacher in physical education. So I can imagine that Pep was very curious about, you know, the way how Louis van Gaal did that. Why? Mm -hmm. 
because he grew up basically with, you know, the, the Cruyff way because he also has seen Johan play and the influence of Johan and the influence of Michels in Barcelona. And then, you know, he was there as a coach many years. And now somebody else came from Ajax who was also impressive in a different way. So, yeah, I think that, uh, of course, Pep is a very smart coach and a very smart and intelligent person. And what I think is that Pep is smart enough to develop himself and use what he can use with his personality from all the coaches he worked with. Because he is also always positive about Bielsa eh, and about other mm. coaches that he found. And, and you can see where it resulted in. I mean, if you saw the Barcelona in his time, I think there hasn't been a better Barcelona than that Barcelona. If you look at Bayern München, he did the same with Bayern München, which is amazing because it's a completely different culture. It's a completely different type of people. And now he does the same with, with City. So I think is what Pep did is, you know, he brought everything together of his own experience as a player, experience that he had with coaches he worked with, but not only Van Gaal and Cruyff, but I think the majority is coming from there. If you look at how City is playing, how Barcelona was playing and how Bayern was playing. Mm. Do you think that's interesting then that, you know, coming back to Jose, who d developed a very different style to, to to Guardiola, obviously, you know, been the antithesis of each other in, in management for a long time. Yeah. And obviously, Jose's come out and, you know, that he had a few little, uh, you know, things to say about Cruyff uh, years ago, I know. So do you think that's interesting that Jose developed, you know, a completely sort of different style to, to Pep and, yeah. and Cruyff? Yeah, that's incredible interesting because what you can see is, of course, uh, he grew up, you know, in Portugal with his father being a goalkeeper. Yeah. And he started to analyze for his father. And of course, the Portuguese way of playing and the vision is, of course, completely different than, let's say, the Cruyff, Michels, Van Gaal and Guardiola way. Mm. Um, he did get everything from Robson, which I think was closer to the Portuguese way. And you know that Barcelona on the Robson did play a little bit the Portuguese way. And that was, you know, why, for example, Bahia was functioning very good in that way. Because with our way of playing, it was a different way of playing. So different type of players. Mm. Then you can see that Jose had like three years of Louis in, in the Cruyff way. And, and finally, he did, uh, he did uh, let I say, develop his own way, which was close to, you know, his beliefs, his way of thinking and his way of having mixed all kinds of styles together. So what you can see is Jose didn't grow up, let us say, the Cruyff way or the Van Gaal way or the, the, the Pep Guardiola way. And basically Pep did grow up more because Michels mm. was involved. He was, you know, getting, you know, whatever to the club. He worked with Cruyff, he worked with Van Gaal. So you can see, and, and, and I mean, I grew up, you know, with Michels, Cruyff, uh, uh, when I grew up as, as a child. So yeah. take that with you. And I feel comfortable in that way. But I also know it's the most difficult way there is. And that it's, that it's more easier to go from a defensive point of view and give the initiative to the opponents. So, yes, it's very interesting to see that there are totally complete different styles. It's also beautiful to see that you can be very successful with both styles. But... Mm. As you know, we in Holland always think it has to be beautiful football. It has to be beautiful to watch and then we define what is beautiful. But that's not, the rea that's not realistic in the rest of the world. And I think that Jose is a beautiful example of that. Yeah. Completely different style, completely different way of playing, but also Porto, Italy, uh, England, extremely successful, Spain, which is also beautiful for the total soccer community, football community, to see what is possible and what is not possible. Mm. And you talk about philosophy there, and it's it's interesting really to, to hear about, you know, you know, obviously the Cruyff way and the Pep way, obviously this very beautiful free-flowing football, which you've said has stemmed from sort of the identity of Netherlands, you know, and their, you know, affection for, for the sport. There was a lot of, you know, problems the press and some fans maybe had with Louis van Gaal's style at Manchester United, you know, a lot of, you know, nil-nil draws and things like that. Do you think that, that van Gaal's style at United was personified due to the players he had at his, 
at, you know, at his choice? Do you think that that was going to change? Do you think he was going to perhaps be more, you know, progressive if if he could have, you know, you know, got better players in, better attacking attacking talent? Do you think he was going to try and change change that way? Well, what what you can see is that um, if I don't, I, you know, I didn't see many games of of Moyes, of course, so I don't know exactly uh, what was happening there. I did see all the games of Louis clearly, and I also saw some games of of Jose. So you could see the style of Louis and Jose was also different, mm. and now you can see again different styles. Um, the moment you bring in a coach uh, uh, like Louis, you know what you can get. It's the same with, you know, if you bring in Jose. Uh, the interesting part, of course, is if you worked with Van Gaal and uh, after that you bring in Jose, there are also two complete different ways and styles of play. Mm. Um, and, and w- you know, we have seen, of course, the, the successful time of Ferguson and his way of playing. Um, and but I've also seen at Bayern München, you know, uh, Bayern München signed Louis van Gaal because they wanted to play in a different way. They wanted to have, you know, the ball more. They wanted to be more dominating. They wanted uh, to be recognized also by that kind of style. And that worked out perfectly. Mm. So the same could have been happening, of course, at United, which is... A little bit different than it was, but in the end, I also know that Louis adapted in some ways his style. Yeah. Uh, for example, the playing out of the back, which was in England, it's it's different and it's not always that easy. Uh, and you can see he adapted to that by playing the first ball longer and then play from there. You can see that, for example, Pep with City, he didn't adapt, and you know he brought in the players who can play like that. Mm. So, um, in the end, um, uh, it is, of course, a big club. And as a big club, you want to dominate. And as a big club, you want to have, you know, the proper results that fits the club. And again, in England, it's it's a little bit more difficult because there are so many good clubs than, for example, in Spain or in Germany, because the amount of clubs that is above the rest is smaller. Eh? In Spain, it's it's Madrid and it's Barcelona. In, in Germany, it's like Bayern München is Dortmund, you know, mm-hmm. and some come a little bit in between. So it's very difficult to give a very clear answer there. Yeah, It's difficult for me because, yes, it's very important that you have an identity at a club. And, yes, it's, an, it's, it's very important that the fans uh, are identified with the way of playing. Mm-hmm. But to be very honest, what I felt in United, that the fans were very respectful. Yeah. Very respectful. And they were also very patient. And I think they were also, you know, patient in the way, okay, go develop it and, and show us what you can bring us. Because I was always amazed. The the, the United fans are really United fans. Mm. If you mean. Uh, I've I've been of course in Barcelona and if the people didn't like it, you know, they are not behind the team anymore and they, they wave with their handkerchiefs and stuff like that, which is understandable, eh, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. But it was like amazing uh, how patient all the fans were. So it's very difficult to give you a very straight answer on that. Mm. That's good to hear, though, that, you know, <clears throat> you, you think that about the United fans because that does reflect well on us as a club. So I'm happy you felt that way. Um just go back, going back to your time at United, you would have worked very closely with David De Gea. Um, what, what, what was it like to work with him? Because in my eyes, one of the well, in my era, obviously, I'm only, I'm very young. Uh, you know, yeah. the best keeper I've I've seen play. You know, some phenomenal saves, an incredible shot stop. What, what was it like to work with him? Well, first of all, it was of course interesting that we came to United, and then you know, I'm a specialist like in the goalkeeping part, and I'm a specialist in the set pieces part. Mm. Okay, I I started to develop that over the time. It started in Barcelona, and okay, so your first, let us say, your first interest is going to the total team, and then it goes, you know, to your specialization. And we know, like for example, that in England it's really a set piece. Uh, league and it's a set piece country so yeah. I was like triggered also by that because you know I'm always wanting to learn and I want and, and I want to see how it goes and what they do and speak so that was one part the other part was the goalkeeping part and um, and of course uh, what you do is 
uh, our time to prepare was short, okay? Yeah, because yeah. This, the, the contract was signed when we were in the pre-season for the World Cup, okay? Mm. Which meant, you know, the focus was on the World Cup and, and, and on the site, I did try, you know, to get more and more information on my specific part, the goalkeeping part. So, of course, I went into all the goalkeepers we had at that moment uh, because I always look from the number one till the number five, always. Yeah. And and a part of that, I go into the youth till like, you know, the under 16 to see what potential is there. Mm. In, in Barcelona, for example, I brought from the under 16, Valdez and Reina already pretty fast to a higher level. Mm. So I did try to do the same at United. And then, you know, what you do is you analyze them on based on what you see in games they play. That's number one. Mm. And then, you know, there is like there is like information from the club that the club gives you, which is always nice. But what my intention is always, okay, that's what they think. I'm a different person. I have a different outlook maybe on what we see. So I have to come to my own conclusions. So at that moment, uh, you know, I, I had a, a, a picture of the number one till the number five. And of course, um, uh, the number one at the moment was like uh, David De Gea. Um, well, I started to work with David. And mm. what I see is it's a very calm guy. You know, he is like uh, not outspoken. He is not extrovert. He is more introvert. But uh, uh, and, you know, you you have to work a little bit on, OK, information, feedback, ask questions and that kind of stuff. So what I found out was, of course, that for to start with with David in the beginning, everything was new for him, new staff, yeah. uh, new goalkeeping coach. And but, you know, what you feel is that um, uh, he had, of course, you know, a certain level already. He had been, I think, one or two times, you know, best player of United, mm. which, in my opinion, is always not a good signal, because if yeah. you work big teams it should not be the goalkeeper yeah yeah so you know uh, anyway so i started to work with him and um a professional uh, hard worker uh it took some time you know to get a certain connection uh you need to know that i'm the kind of person that is not a friend mm. of the people i work with i want to be a professional but i do want them to trust me you know, what I want is that they know I do everything to make them better within my possibilities. But if you have five guys, you need to be very objective for all five of them. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. that also means you cannot have like the perfect relationship with the number one. The number one is not doing a good job. So then the number, no, you have, you need to have that relationship with all five of them. But yeah, yeah. what I can say about David is that, um, uh, I have not seen, and yet, you know, in the beginning, it was a little bit like starting up, you know, which was step by step, yeah. uh, was, you know, he had to get used to our way of working and to my way of working and, and vice versa, which is a little bit diff different than what he was used to. So I can only say the two years that I was working at United and, you know, when I left you know, the goalkeepers we had were David, were like Romero, mm. were Johnston, were Joel Pereira and um, uh, Dean Henderson. Yeah, I yeah. think that was a very fine base, you know, to continue on. Mm. I looked upon them. Anyway, the two years that I've seen uh, David play, the level he had, because don't underestimate, you know, playing like every two, three days. And every game, of course, you need to perform at the highest level. Basically, every game you have to win. He also had the national team of Spain. But, you know, the level that he, he showed has been incredible. He has been many times decisive in winning or losing a game, which is, and I say it again, which is not a good signal yeah, because, yeah. you know, it should be more like other players, you know, and, and, and definitely attacking wise that should stand out. But in these two years uh, and, and there were moments he played a little bit less, but we were able to cover that up. So to work with him 
was was very good, very nice with all of them, by the way, because they also uh, push them each other to a higher level. Uh, but also, if you know, if Sergio had to play, there was no problem. You know, mm -hmm. he also played on a very high level. Um, and even if David was a little bit less, we could cover that up. Nobody noticed that. And he came back again to, you know, the highest level possible. So I can only be very positive in that. Um, different way of working for him. Lots of video meetings as well, you know, to analyze his game, to improve it and stuff like that. Mm. But he was never complaining. And I understand that sometimes they get sick and tired of me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but on the other side, they know I do that to improve them. And yeah. it's it's part of your it's part of your job and it's part of your being a professional. Mm. So I can only be very positive about that. No, that's well, that's good to hear as well. And it's interesting that you mentioned Dean Henderson as someone you you might have worked with uh, for, for for a little amount of time. And obviously, he's been you know very very uh, positively praised in the past season or so on loan at Sheffield. I'm sure you're aware of you know how well yeah. he's been doing. Oh. Of course, and, and also with David de Gea, who's obviously you know endured a bit of tough form in the in the past season. Do you think there's anything you can put that down to with with David? No, listen, it's it's it's. I think first of all, it's not correct for me to give my opinion about that because yeah. uh, I know how it is. Um, if you work in a club eh, like uh, like the goalkeeper coaches that are there at the moment, I think you have to respect that. I think you have to uh, to give them. Uh, all the benefits of the doubts, whatever mm -hmm. there is. Um, what I what I did see was um, is that sometimes they were searching for David. I sometimes saw he played actually an excellent game, and maybe there was one weaker moment, and mm -hmm. then they were getting at him. So I always try to keep my distance and really look at uh, as object uh, objective as possible yeah, to what he is doing. So I think that, um, yeah, things has been changing as well, eh? as well for David. I mean, you know, from Ferguson, Moyes, Van Gaal, um, uh, Mourinho, and then all at this moment, that's all different ways. He had different goalkeeping coaches. Mm. So, mm. and I know he can adapt to that. And I know he, um, he, he, he is very aware of what he can do. Uh, but okay, it's also being a human being. And and yeah. the two years I saw him, that was really an extreme high level, every week and basically every practice. It was, it was like it was a machine. But of course there are no machines. But anyway, so it's difficult for me to give an opinion on that. Mm. It's difficult to know what exactly is going on. I, I I have an opinion about the time that I was there, that I work with him, and all the things that happened there. Yeah, no, that's fair and enough. This, even when I was there, some things came out that were really not the way they were. But my opinion is if I work for a club, I stay on the background because mm -hmm. the one who needs to do the talking is the head coach and definitely not the goalkeeping coach or the assistant coaches. Yeah, no, that's that really is fair enough. And obviously, you know, going back to Dean Henderson a moment, you know, I only mentioned to his mistakes is because some people have been saying that perhaps Dean Henderson could be pressing him for the number one spot in the next season or two, and whether or not he should go back out on loan, or whether he should be kept at the club and you know given a bit given a bit more game time. Do you think Dean Henderson has the ability and the quality to be able to succeed De Gea as United's number one? Yeah, well, Dean is of course a fantastic, uh, interesting story. Uh, and I was there and I did spend some time with Dean and I worked with him on his profile and I worked with him on his stronger and weaker points on a distance, if you know what I mean. Mm. I did do some video analysis and and um, I'm, I'm so happy for him to see how he has been developing eh, the last years. Yeah, yeah. I left like in 2016, so 17, 18, 19. We are four years further. And at this moment, you know, uh, Dean... Uh, went on loan. He did a great job there. Uh, he was, uh, and I see, of course, I don't see every game, but I see games and parts of games, and I have special attention for Dean. Mm. And um, uh, of course, he has been developing himself in a very fast and and good manner. Uh, even coming to the England squad, which is you know a big reward, of course, and I think he deserves that uh, based on. You know the available English goalkeepers as well. Uh, what you can see is that, um, yeah, it's a great development personally for him. Mm. 
But Sheffield, with all respect, is not the same as United. Yeah. You know, so the fact that Dean is doing a fantastic job at this moment at Sheffield will help him in his development. And could he be as good at United? Yes, he can. That's an option. But it's no, it, you cannot be uh, 100% secure of that because it's a different situation. You know, he is now more or less the underdog, which is doing a fantastic, great job. And like the expectations from David are very high and he, that's his own fault because he was so good over yeah, an X yeah. of seasons. Um, and, and, but you know, I'm very happy with the development of Dean. And to give you an example, I also think that Joe Pereira is, is a great goalkeeper and has great potential for the future. But you can see that, you know, Joe also was on loan. Yeah. But like, Sheffield is like the relevation, I think, of the Premier League, yeah, the way they play, the results they have, which helps Dean, of course, a lot. Mm. You can see that the, the teams that Joe played are not like as impressive as what Sheffield is doing. So his role is a little bit less. And I really don't know at what, what level Joe Joel is at the moment because I haven't seen games of him. But I do know at my time at United... He was, you know, he was like the number four and Dean was the number five. Yeah, yeah. But if I, if I look what happens now, it could be that it's the other way around. But I don't know. Mm. But I'm very, I mean, I'm very happy that this development is going because, again, uh, you follow the guys. Of course, you do follow them and more or less intense depending on the time. And, I mean, what Dean has been doing he he he! It, it's a fantastic um, uh, results, fantastic uh, the way he plays at the moment, and I really enjoy that. Also for him, of course. Yeah, well, that's interesting. You see that you say there about you know you know goalkeepers developing and outgrowing each other and the order of things you know changing over the years. Another goalkeeper you worked with at your time at United, a brief spell, uh, albeit, um, was Victor Valdez. Obviously, came in on a free yep. transfer, um, and you worked with him at Barcelona as well, I believe. Am I correct? I'm correct in saying that, aren't I? Yes, yes, yes. No, I brought him actually from the youth to the first team. Yeah, yeah, wow. So you worked with him at United as well, and obviously things seemed to get a bit sour at United. It all, you know, talk of him being, you know, training with the under twenty threes and things like that. What was your understanding of what went on with with Victor Valdez in his United time? Um, well, well, my history, of course, goes back with Victor and Pepe Reina in Barcelona, nineteen ninety seven. Mm. I, I have to to do this as an introduction on that. Yeah, yeah. So um, when I I checked all the goalkeepers, you know, from the first team till the under sixteen, I found Pepe and I found Victor, and I thought they were amazing at that age. I mean. It's it's easy to see that they were very talented, you know. If you if you talk, for example, to Edwin van der Sar when he was that age, it was not that easy to see that he was talented. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But like these two guys, in my opinion, are amazing. So I spoke with that with Lowy as well. I said, hey, I think we have two like diamonds there. They are very good. They are very competitive. Uh, they have a great drive. And the fact that they are both so good will push them to the next level. Anyway, long story short, um, we started to integrate them at a higher level. We, after a year, we started to integrate them already at the first team with 17, 18 years of age. And, you know, the rest is history because we know that uh, Pepe went to Villarreal. He went to Liverpool, had a fantastic career. Mm. And we saw that Victor had a fantastic career at Barcelona. Okay, yeah. so... The next step is that we are coming to to United and we are going to evaluate the goalkeepers we have there. And you know that was like, uh, you know the goalkeepers who were there at that moment. So yeah. I always made this, I made a profile and I, I look, okay, do the, the goalkeepers we have, do they fit in that profile, yes or no? And if we doubt or we don't know for sure, can we find goalkeepers that fit in that profile? The same as players. So what happened then was, of course, I knew that that Victor had that injury. And I also knew that if Victor is like fit, he could fit perfectly in the profile, in the goalkeeper that we need, you know, yeah. at United. 
So I was in touch with Victor and I said, Victor, listen, this is what's going on. How are you? Blah, 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 blah. He said, well, you know, I'm still recovering. And uh, yes, I will be interested if it's like that. I said, okay, uh, what we can do is you can recover completely at the club. You know, everybody will be available for mm. you. And the moment that you are physically fit, then we talk about uh, a contract and stuff like that. So everything happened in that, that way. Um, and yes, Victor was signed. Uh, on the other side, you know, the development of David was incredible. Yeah. You know, it, it was incredible. So we did uh, uh, spoke about that, you know, that there's an option that you fit the profile, but, you know, you have to show that you're fit. You have to show that you can play this game and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then um, and of course Victor is 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 a very driven person. Mm. Victor, the person that uh, showed, of course, at his time at Barcelona, that he was a key piece in the whole way of playing, in all the successes they had there. But he also wanted to have a challenge. And then you come to you know to England to United, which is completely different. They had different culture, different way of thinking, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, well. Uh, let I say this, the intention from the staff was only positive. That's why we also signed him. The mm. intention of Victor was also only positive. Only, you know, it didn't work out the way we all wanted it to work out. Yeah. yeah. Let I say this. And, and that's, you know, that is always a pity. You all go in with expectations. You all go in with the best intentions because... The fact that we gave him the chance to recover and, and really the people of the medical staff and, and uh, also Alan uh, worked very hard to bring him physically back, you know, on the absolute top level at that moment. So everybody had the right intentions and, you know, some things doesn't work out the way you want them to work out, whatever the reason is. Conclusion mm -hmm. is, yes, it didn't work out uh, from both sides the way we hoped the way we worked on and and that's reality yeah. and and of course it's painful we would have loved victor to play in united to get a fantastic you know finish of his career doing doing it also at another um, uh, league in the premier league in you know the strongest of the world uh, but you know circumstances are there and mm -hmm. and the fact that you know david was incredible because david also was a fan of victor you know because he was an example for him, but yeah. you know, it, it didn't work out the way we hoped it worked out and the way it did work out. I can only say both sides worked hard to make it work. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Mm. Another deal that also didn't work out was Angel Di Maria. You say there about the intention from both sides with Valdez was good. Obviously, a, a bit of a different context really with Valdez in that he was nearing the end of his career. It was a free transfer. Di Maria, obviously a massive fee attached to him. Was the intention good from both sides of Angel Di Maria? With? With who? Uh, Angel Di Maria. Di Maria. Ah, Di Maria. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, now you go to the player side, of course, and yeah. and um, yeah, because of my my time at Barcelona, of course, I speak Spanish and I have like a contact. And you know, I think that uh, what I read is that they blame Louis a lot, and I think yeah, that's yeah. not correct. Mm -hmm. That's my opinion. Okay, I I have been in the situation. I also spoke with with um, with Angel many times. Listen, when I saw. Di Maria, first time in the practices, I was like very impressed. I've seen many top-level players, uh, many, many of them, world-class level, and I was like, wow, you know, Angel Di Maria is a lot better than 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 I even could expect he was. Mm. And I think that we all could see that his start was very was very good actually and very promising. And and of course we have seen what happens in his private life, you know, with what happens with his family. Mm. And, and I know that, um, especially with people, you know, South America, people from Spain, they are, they are of course, very, let us say, touchy and, and maybe more than, than we, you know, the, the, the people from the northern part of, of Europe. Mm. And has been also a big influence on Angel. And what I think is, again, 
Angle side, Louis side, uh, the club side, everything was also, you know, with a very positive taste in a positive way. And also, that's the same. You are completely right with that. Intentions were there, but there were circumstances that it didn't work out, you know, the way we all hoped it would work out. Mm. I agree completely with that. Yeah. But I see a lot of people that 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 push it to Louis, and I don't think that's correct. It was, you know, an X amount of circumstances that, you know, that was not working out the way that we all hoped it was working out. And intentions were good, and I think that the way they worked and wanted to work, it had nothing to do with that. It was like, you know, different circumstances. Mm. One more specific player to ask you about, and I'm sure it'll be a similar situation to the others, but someone who's actually been, you know, quite vocal about this recently, Robin Van Persie. Obviously, you and Louis obviously worked with him at that World Cup in 2014, and then straight off the back of that work, obviously worked with him at Manchester United. There was a suggestion from Robin that he was sort of pushed out the door. Is that is that correct in, in that sense as well? Well, I have I have um, uh, developed a very good relationship with Robin during yeah. my time with the national team, and uh, well, we all know that that Robin is a genius. Uh, uh, Robin is a genius. Yeah. You know, I mean, I always was. I could I could enjoy so much the practicing. You know, if if I saw him work, and that's you know, Robin had that. I had that with Robin in a different way. I had that with Wesley Snyder. You know, um, but again, the, the the beauty of all of this is that you can see Louis is coming to the national team mm-hmm. and he is going to start to work with Robin. And, you know, uh, they find a fantastic understanding and it finishes with a World Cup in which Robin is amazing uh, and, and in which Louis is happy. And, you know, again, they had a fantastic uh, relationship as well. Now you go to the club level and and uh, what you can see is it it doesn't work out in um, the way that Louis wants it to work out, which is possible. Yeah. Okay. And there is respect, of course, for Robin. And I you can feel that, wow, you know, this is unfortunately not exactly the way what 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 the team, what Louis wants. And. I know for sure there has been, you know, uh, different meetings between Robin and Louis and stuff like that. And it's in the end, it's only, you know, it's only a pity because Robin deserves, you know, the best platform in the world with the qualities that he has and uh, that he has been showing, especially at Arsenal, at the Dutch national team, but also at United. So, um, and and the beauty on the other side is... um, and it's human. You can, you know, you can have disagreements and you can have, you don't agree with each other. But what you can see is that Robin still now is respecting Louis as a coach a lot. Mm. You know, when Robin said officially goodbye, he invited Louis also on his goodbye party. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's like, it's also what I think, which is fantastic, the respect they show to each other. You can disagree. You can have the best times in your life. You know, when I was at Barca, I had the same with Victor. It was a fantastic time. And and then you can see at Manchester, unfortunately, it doesn't go the way you want it. But it doesn't mean that you don't show the respect. And I only want to give this as a lesson to everybody in the in, in the world and especially players. Sometimes it doesn't work out the way you hope and you want it to work out. But please be human, respect and and I, I know you can be pissed on something. Of course, I can be pissed on some stuff. But mm. in time, you go back and you see the intentions. And 100%, again, intentions, very positive. And, and I can only say I admire Robin. I admire Robin as a player, but I admire him more as a human being. Yeah. What I've seen with him and also, you know, some kinds of frustrations and some kinds of wow you know, this was not what I what I hoped. This was not what I thought. But that's the way it is. And I know from Louis, he wants the best for the player, from the player. And he is always very honest in what he thinks, what he feels. He always offers his help. And the outside world doesn't always look upon it like that, but he does. And, you know, he is very uh, clear in what he likes, what he doesn't like, what he needs, what he thinks the team needs. And it's always about the team. 
and mm. never about the individual. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Just one last thing I want to ask you about. Obviously, you've been at the club for a couple of years, and now you're on the outside looking in. Um, what do you think about the current United situation under Solskjaer? Obviously, you sort of alluded earlier on that you're happy that he's been getting being given the time uh, to, to, to develop things. Uh, how far do you think United are off titles? And yeah, what do you think about the current situation? Well, what I, of course, I, I left there and that's 2016. It's now 2020. Um, well, you follow the club. That's clear. And, and I want all the best for the club. That's also clear. Yeah. No, there's not hard feelings, whatever. Um, and I always think if you don't agree, say it at the moment you're there. You know, mm. then you can do something. If you leave, you know, don't go and, and, and throw dirt at the club, if you know what I mean. I think that's useless. I think that's not what you should do. So if I look at it, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy uh, if the club does well. I'm very happy if they win games. I always feel something like, hmm, that I don't like it and I feel not good if they don't get the results and stuff like that. Mm. Well, what I think is after Louis, which is basically a world-class coach Jose Mourinho comes which is a world-class coach eh, based on what they accomplished before they went to United yeah so this means um, the expectation level is also a lot higher you know from everybody involved mm. what you see now is uh, with Ole is that um, he gets the time it, it's realistic to give people time to build on something and only the people within the club knows how that road is and what's going to happen and what he needs to do that and they give him that confidence so you could see that you know the results were also growing which is a good thing and mm. um, what i think is very important is that again uh, the ferguson time is gone you know it has been a fantastic time the best time ever with everything that you can imagine, you know, with all the results and all the prices that you that you that you really want for a top club, reality now is that um, many other clubs in the Premier League also are um, are performing on a higher level. So it always has been a high level, I think, but now it's an extremely high level. It's like a world league. It's not even, you know, the English league. It's a world league mm -hmm. because all the good players, all the coaches are coming there. So um, I'm following it, of course, with a lot of interest. Um, um, so I think that uh, a year from now, you know, then the process really should start. And I, you know, if you get prices, you know, it's, it's, it's a present. But, you know, give a little bit more time you know, to really rebuild the club, to really rebuild the team, uh, to fight again for the prices. It's not as easy anymore as it maybe was in the in the past, which was not easy either. But I think if you look now at the development of, you know, of City, you look at the development of Liverpool, mm. you look at what, you know, Tottenham. So there's an X amount of clubs that became stronger. That means, you know, United needs the time again to become as strong as they can be as well. So, um, I, I'm, I'm positive about the fact that, you know, Ole is giving time, which I think is very important. I know that Michael Carrick is there, and, and I think it's very positive that he is there. I think he, is a, he was a great player, but I also liked him a lot as a person, and he knows the ins and outs from the club. Mm. So I think that's very good that that's happening there. So, you know, I'm looking very much forward, you know, to see what really happens. Can you expect already on a short term something? Listen, I hope it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to see what happens overall, I think it will take a little bit longer time. We saw, you know, like what happened with Liverpool, which we don't like, of course, as, as United fans. But mm -hmm. I always try to look from an objective point. And, you know, they were gone and they came back and they have a coach that they also gave the time. And they develop their way of playing, and exactly the same with City. And I hope that the same will happen, of course, with uh, with our United. Franz, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, and it's great to hear your affection for the club still runs runs deep, and your respect for United fans, and some really thoroughly interesting insights. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, I'm not sure if you've got any last words you want to say to the listeners. Any? Yes, any yes. Well, thank you very much for having me. And uh, well, I haven't been uh, saying a lot 
on my time when I was at the clubs because I think it's not my job. It's mm. the head's job. So um, thank you very much. I want to wish, of course, United uh, all the very best. And the fans, I think they are amazing, to be honest. They are really amazing. I've never seen a fan base, but worldwide, because I travel the world yeah. a lot. And the fan base worldwide, and, and it was amazing to see that we played in the US, Madrid, you know, in the preseason. Uh, it was a sold out game with 110,000 uh, spectators. And I think 100,000 were for United. Mm. And Madrid just won the Champions League. So, uh, and and I feel for the fans because they are loyal, they are behind the club, they are behind all the people, and, and that's something which is unique. So again, thank you for having me. All the best, of course, for United and all the very best for the fans and that they will get what they really deserve, which is, you know, a spectacular United and, and, and winning the prizes and entertaining the people that are there. So thank you very much. No, thank you, Franz. Thank you.